Slasher Tracks, episode 17. 17. Oh, that was a lot. We are Slasher Tracks. We are a podcast dedicated to watching horror movies and taking a deep dive into the tracks. And other things. Yeah, whether it's, you know, tracks like music or uh, other weird side tracks. That kind of ended up working out for us. Yeah. Uh, I'm Aaron. I'm Sloan. And I am your stepmother. Ooh. Oh, hello, stepmom. And let's take you inside Friday the 13th, part three. But first, Bef- whoa, whoa, we get that. that out of the way. Yeah, 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 dude. We got we got some housekeeping real quick. So, uh, guess what, guys? We have a fan. And it's not our moms. That was crazy to hear about. We have such a big fan mm-hmm. that he sent us an email. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, share too much information. But so we got an email from this cool dude, Drew, from Gotcha Pod. Wanna want to give a little shout out to his podcast as well. But, uh, yeah, he let us know that he was listening to our Hellraiser series because he went, decided. Now, I will I will share this information that he shared in the email because I thought it was a really interesting way to rewatch the Hellraiser films. He Is it his social security number? No, no, no. Not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to dox. Sorry. Uh, he, shoot. Instead of watching them uh, in chronological order, he started with number 10 and went back. The idea being that they're really bad the later they are, so it'll just get better the more huh. you watch. That is uh-huh. reckless. I think it's an interesting way to do it. And anyway, he, you got the stamina. he was looking for just some hot takes on the Hellraiser movies while I watched, and he listened to our podcast. Man. He also had a suggestion for uh, some movies for us to watch. I don't know if we'll watch all of them, but he suggested The Crow. There's four The Crow movies. I guess they quickly go nice. from good to absolute garbage. So that it sounds could be right up our alley. Fun for us. We yeah. absolutely and need to watch at least one of them because at least it's, one. It's our first fan mail. Yeah, we got to awesome. watch at least Crow one. And just just to set the record straight, he wasn't like hawking this podcast. He was just a oh, guy. No, it was at the end. He was like, yeah, "Hey, like, I also you know I do have a podcast too." So and we got to shout him out. Yeah. So what what do you do in this situation? Is you begrudgingly Google the podcast, hope it doesn't suck. Hope like uh, if it sucks, I'm gonna have to make up something about it. But no, you know what? It was good. It was good. Me and Sloan both listened to an episode. I listened to one about four chan. I listened to the episode about furries. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate that a lot. Let's get into the series that we are trudging through here, Friday the Thirteenth. Whoa! Get that out. Whoa! What? Whoa! 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 You almost hit me in the face there with those words. <laughs> they were shooting out at me. In the third dimension. 3D! I did not know where that was going. (laughs) This one is part 3, 3D. How convenient. Um, It's... You know what, Cody? Since since you bring it up... We're going to talk about the 3D right now? I'm going to get back to the 3D, but I just want to... I was, while we were watching this movie, I was writing... So we were obviously watching the 2D version because we're adults. But, um, Wait, could we have watched the 3D version? 
Not easily. Oh. I could get to that. Um, not in a fun way, either. Mm. But just what I wrote down, I had a th- uh, 3D text, pops out of dead mom head, 3D joint cam, uh, eyeball 3D, 3D mm. wallet throw, 3D yo-yo, 3D pitchfork, 3D juggling, 3D crossbow, juggling. 3D eyeball pop head crush, 3D axe and Jason's head. Those were 10 moments that I just wrote down organically, and there were even a few that I missed. Oh, wow. This movie is really really going for the whole shtick the whole 3d i wish i could have seen it in a theater in 3d yeah i do too you know i i also agree and i don't know about you guys but i thought it was kind of great yeah i had a great time with it anytime it came up i was like yes like i wanted to see people holding something out and like holding it out of the camera and just kind of like waggling it. I liked the juggling scene that went oh, on way that too long hilarious. just to show just it juggling. Just for no reason other than that, like, oh, it's going to get like 3D in the audience. To me, it made it so much more memorable and funny because like anytime it happened, it was just like, oh, this is so goobery yeah. and great. Uh, you're right, though, that it, it made this one stand out from the other two because of that angle for sure. Because it had yeah. an angle. Um, because yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. Another thing that jumped out at me right away. No, jumped out at me during. <laughs> Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during <laughs> Jesus Christ, during this uh, opening sequence with the big three D letters coming out, it hits us with the. Um, the Six theme song flashback. Oh, sorry. the theme song. The theme song oh, for God. part three here is a banger. Do you guys remember it? Huh? Can you sing it for us? Yeah, I need. I need you to I, sing it. To I can't me. sing it to so you. I, I to am going to sing something to you later in this episode. Promise. Uh, Don't tease us like that. Yeah. Stay tuned after the commercial break, and I will be singing a little bit. Ooh. But um, this was so. Uh, I don't want to get super into it, but we had the Harry Manfredini music. Classic. But this brought a disco element to. It was like a spooky oh, Halloween I disco. I remember reading that. There's, yeah. Yes. You don't remember feeling that when we watched the movie? I just tried oh, to. Oh, I did. It was the first time that the music has done anything else yeah. for three movies. Um, and it was sweet. And it opened this movie. I was ready to have a great time, and I also knew... Ready to dance? This is the first movie that our buddy Jason takes on uh, his uh, modern identity that we all associate with We're going to jump to that now? Yeah. I'll I'll be hitting on that later. So that's kind of a a base here. Maybe we talk some characters, favorite moments, feelings of this movie. So first, my first hated moment. Let's go with Sloan's first hated moment. Sure, give it to us. The flashback was so long! Oh my god. It was... Almost six minutes Ew. of flashbacks. It, it was, yeah, it was over five minutes, 30 seconds, and then another, like, two minutes of scrolling credits at the beginning. There was literally eight minutes of nothing. No content. It was devoid of life for the first eight minutes. Do you think that minutes. they just needed to fill time there? Like, they had to get it over, like, a certain time limit to make it in theaters? Is what their audience so dumb that they need this spoon-fed to them? Because I mean, it's not like this came out mm, so far down the road. It was, again, like another year. year. It was only a year later. 1982. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get that, like, they didn't have the internet, so they couldn't, like, check... 
what happened, but my goodness, that was long. It was a very yeah. previously on mm-hmm. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, let's talk our new cast of characters. Okay. Yeah, who did who did you who did y'all like? Who did you not like? I like Chuck. The stoner. Chuck and Chili. Chuck the and stoners. Chili are pretty the cool. Chuck and Chili were great. Looked like Mark Marin. He, he did. didn't wear shoes in, ever, including when he went to the outhouse, which was disgusting. Yeah, that's that's a health thing. Yeah. Was he supposed to be a teen as well? I think they're all supposed to be teens, but he it's was probably like thirty. So they're all thir- they're all in their thirties. Mm-hmm. Well, there's teens, dude. Two of the dudes. Uh, so well, remember on this last one, we had a, a two teen moment. That's true. That we had two young of teens. I think it's that you get fifteen year old girls and thirty five year old men. That's how you do movies in the eighties. Uh, I like it did that. So like these movies are very formulaic. With we our oh, main yeah. character is a girl, and then her older boyfriend. The older boyfriend in this one was mm. Rick. I fucking hated Rick. He was the worst. Yeah, so we've talked about how in these 80s movies, it's very boys will be boys. Ugh, dudes just need to grab ass and get puss. Like, just this whole, like, that that's well okay said. of a vibe. Well said. And, like, he he's like, babe, I'm, I'm not hanging out with Mary Jo Conrad for you. I better be getting serviced three hours a day of sexual favors. Did he see, is that a quote? He, Mary Jo Conrad was the other girl that he said he could have been with, and he did say three, three hours, hours of, of, of like sexual pleasure. Oh my! And she was God. being resistant because turns out she was assaulted <laughs> that summer. But yeah, that was also barely really loosely mentioned as the reason why we're here again. Yeah, gets, she's kind of mm-hmm. getting over some trauma really late in the movie. Why she's our main character? We're back at this fucking lake ish yeah kind of in the lake same adjacent. area yeah one yeah. of our characters has a, a, a family property in the area yeah we're nearby if we recall in the second movie when the when the kids went out to a bar we're around mm. that bar area you guys want to talk about the beginning oh with yeah the, uh, yeah the, the, the shop I owner. I fucking loved the shop owner. It was so weird. There's so many weird, gross things. Like, he's just eating stuff from the store. <laughs> yeah. He's He puts... His wife puts a donut that he's already eaten back in the box. So gross. But, like, also, I gotta say, for this weird out-of-nowhere bar slash country store, a lot of fresh produce. I was impressed. Yeah. Like too much. Too much. I mean, he has to eat. There, it. That, that's go all bad. going to waste. Well, that's why he has to eat it. There, yeah, <laughs> I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But then also he goes to the outhouse. We get some cool shitting noise. Yeah, and he's uh-huh. drinking whiskey he's drinking while whiskey he's while shitting. shitting. It's great. And he doesn't wipe. Then he stands up and there's nothing in the toilet. <laughs> Wait, there's a lot. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens. I didn't. I didn't scope out the toilet <laughs> yeah, after he stood a, up. I didn't have a toilet cam on that. Good work, Cody. I, you know, it, the whole place looked gross, and I was like, "What's what's that porcelain looking like? I want to see the porcelain." Show me the and porcelain. And it was spotless. I mean, it wasn't spotless. Yeah. It was still like a weird, like off the beaten path store toilet, mm. but it wasn't. There was it wasn't covered in shit. Couldn't like have I was even give us a especially with poop? the farts. Yeah, come on, just give us a little floater. Little 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 <laughs> fake dookie. Little little faux brown serpent. <laughs> Ew. 
So these guys are kind of the introduction to this movie. Him and his wife. We get we find out it's so like also from the scene we know that it's like a day after movie yeah. two. It's on the news that eight people mm-hmm. were found dead and this one girl I think like I fucking forget her name. Who cares? Yeah, Doesn't matter. Names aren't. I don't care. I'm gonna edit <laughs> every name you say. We'll edit out. Don't do that. Anyway, our main girl from two is in critical condition. So yeah, it's just it's the next day, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the the nagging wife. She's such a nag. She's oh. like wearing a robe and hey. curlers and shouting a lot. Yeah, she is quite a nag. I think I, I think nag. I wrote nag and underlined it. Yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> uh, fun fact, guys. Uh, the uh, director of this movie and the previous movie, Steve Miner, he is the newscaster in that uh, that news when oh. they're watching the oh, news. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a that's a fun little Easter egg. Yeah, a fun way to put himself so. in the movie. Really poor survival instinct, where she sees this big hulking man with a disfigured face and just thinks it's her husband. Or she's seeing like behind like a tiny sheet. Yeah. Clearly not. Clearly not the physique. Like, but yeah, like, I think, I think you'd recognize yeah. the shape. These guys were goners from man the moment we saw them pooping on the toilet. Oh, that was a good poop scene, though. Yeah, even if they're so, even if he didn't make product. Doesn't he get killed mid? Mid dump, post dump. Uh, yeah, it's post. Okay, um, I've got a, a kill cam here. Yeah, he's got a, a cleaver hits him in the chest. I think when he's wrapping up the dump, and then his wife gets a knitting needle through the back of her head, and it pops out her mouth. Oh wow! So and there's some 3D on that oh, too. Oh yeah, of course. It, oh, of with course the knitting needle. Knitting needle. Boing, oh, boing. cool. Right, right. Up. The 3D was so great to me because every time that I started to think like, or not even think, I would just subconsciously be like, I'm watching a movie, and then I'd be reminded that it's 3D, and it was almost like clockwork. I'd just be about <laughs> to forget that it's a 3D movie, and then something would pop out. And it always made me so happy. I love that. That's how we're feeling, and I agree. And we're watching the two a two D cut of this movie, and it's still so yeah, just obvious. Like the yo yo, yo yo, gets in the head. The yo yo. We got a popcorn scene that pops up at the, the audience. popcorn scene was ridiculous. A, a new addition. So we have always got the cast of kids, mm-hmm. um, but now we've got kind of. Got a pregnant one. We've got a pregnant one. We've uh, there's also a gang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bikers. A biker Ollie, gang. Ollie, Fox, and Loco. Um, the bikers. The bikers looked awesome. They looked awesome. They. I also wrote down about them. Yeah. This is definitely pre-stretched denim because you can see their dongs. Uh, do we have a dongler? A lot of dongs. I don't know if they're <laughs> ever gonna beat uh, Kevy B's fucking well, no. snake. Obviously not. I mean, that's that's Kevy B and a speedo <laughs> dong. This is just some biker in denim. But yeah. still, it was uh, it was just like, oh yeah, this is the pre-stretch baby. Let's s- see those heads. Anyway, somebody else talk. <laughs> uh, I want to bring up one more cast member here. Who do you got? Shelly. Is it Shelly? It's fucking yeah. Shelly. You Shelly's know, the worst. Shelly, I liked Shelly until it, he he didn't get his way and he called her a bitch. Fucking incel. Like then, then I was like, oh god, he's an incel. Mm-hmm. But before then, up until then, I was like, I felt bad Dude, for him because it felt like he was just serious, trying to do like, his thing, trying to like problems. appeal to somebody in his own way, mm-hmm. and it was just like going disastrous for when, him. When the when the other teens are talking about sex, he makes some sad comment like. 
Well, no one wants to have sex with, with me because of my body. Do you remember that? He says something. He body shamed himself. They make fun of... He, there's a yeah. lot of... And, uh, skinny dipping. It was yeah. skinny dipping. And, and it's it was, not... I'm not skinny enough. Yeah. It's not because of your body, man. It's because you're a fucking inappropriate weirdo. Yeah. Like, there, like this girl... This girl. So, the girl. there's this girl that's like... It's supposed to be set up like maybe it'd be like a blind date for Shelly. And she's not into it. She's being friendly. And he... Is not reading the vibes, and he just goes in for an aggressive kiss, and she rejects him, and then he just, uh, he's just such a creep all the time. He, his, like he had an opportunity to just be a friendly, fun guy, maybe just show off that creative yeah. personality, but instead he had to go creepy and aggressive and angry. His move is like inappropriate, scaring and pranks. Yeah, he would like go to your mom's funeral and put a whoopee cushion on your seat or something. It's no, just, he's like wear a mask of your you dead mom's face. Can't read the room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Shelly has a pretty important role in this franchise as a whole. Super important. Probably the most one of the most important characters in this movie. Should I should I go into my my thing? Yeah. Should I just do my you spiel? You got some stuff? Give me the stuff. Give me the stuff. I yeah, I did some background on Matt the mask. Or not the mask, mask hockey masks. Jason. Because I figured last time I did the burlap, so oh, okay. I kind of felt like obligated to like do the mask. Yeah, now. that makes sense. I'll keep it relatively short. Um, what's what's the, the material? That type of mask can be called a goaltender mask, hockey mask, goalie mask. Um, typically used in ice, inline, and field hockey, um, as well as bandy and floorball. Oh. The first time a mask was used for some type of hockey was when, uh, in 1927, Elizabeth Graham wore a fencing mask um, just to have some kind of protection. And then in... Wait, that's just... 19... Sorry, you're saying that's the first time just a protective mask was used in sport? In hockey. Oh. Even the goaltenders... Yeah, before it was just like raw. Everybody was raw. There, what? And then in sorry, pups and then are like so the hard. first time it was used super professionally was in 1936 when Teji Hanma wore a leather mask at the Winter Olympics, Ooh. which I thought was cool. That it was like kind of still fresh and just somebody just decided to wear one at the Olympics. Sounds spooky too. Um, it's leather. I like it. First, yeah, yeah, I thought that was crazy. Like, leather doesn't even seem that protect. Literally, these ma- that type of mask doesn't even seem very protective. Mm. Like, it seems kind of pointless to even have one. But in 1959, Jacques, Jacques Plante made a his own fiberglass mask. Um, so similar-ish to, like, Jason's mask. But he wasn't allowed to wear it at games. His coach said, like, nah, what? we don't want that. It's going to obstruct your vision. You can't use that mask. He's trying to keep his teeth. But, yeah, exactly. So, in mid-game, he actually took a puck to the <gasps> face. And he said, I'm out unless you let me wear my mask. So, he allowed him to wear it. Um, and then he continued to try to wear it at games. But he was called a coward by the community. Oh. Like everyone was like, people that wear masks are like not man enough. That like you are familiar. not. Th- yeah. <laughs> this isn't the hockey way. You don't wear anything protective. Um, and then from then on, in like ten years, so that was 1959. 
within 10 years, it was the norm to wear masks. Trailblazer. So one guy just had to... I'm sure... I wonder if it was, like, a thing, too, that goalies would talk about. Like, man, I really hope I keep my eyeballs this season. <laughs> like, if they just yeah. commiserate about it. You know, I bet you could lose an eyeball. Because yeah. they, they've got... They, I assume they're still probably wearing... Uh, Whatever these things are in your mouth. Who knows? Mouth I, mouth bet, I bet mouth guards no, were eyeball for guards. babies and cups were for children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they were thinking protective gear makes you a coward, yeah. like, I feel like it's pretty much everything at far, at, or at least initially. Like, oh, you're going to wear something yeah. to protect your. Ooh. This little bitch put a you know, seatbelt oh, you want on your the way bones? here. You want your organs and your bones, big baby? That's not hockey. <laughs> But then, uh, you know, that the last 10 years, or the 10 years from 1959, it became the norm. And then the last goalie to um, actually be maskless, he retired in 1977. So realistically, in that 10 years, everyone's minds changed. Mm. Everyone was like, eh, no, we wear masks now. Um, but... Also, in that same time period, the mask itself changed. Um, because when you think of hockey, you don't think what they actually use now. Or if you're thinking Jason yeah. style, yeah. you know, the Jason style one doesn't exist. People use like the more um, full head thing, but the traditional um, head cage or helmet with like a cage on the yeah. front. Um, because. Obviously, the Jason style mask offered almost no protection. Now they do kind of like a hybrid thing to help, um, you know, keep vision, actual, actually offer protection. But, you know, Jason still has immortalized the fiberglass mask. So that was, okay, so like this style, that was the 50s one and fully abandoned. True. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you did you look into this specific mask used on this production? Um, yeah, a little bit. It was actually the one that they got was too small, so they used some kind of technique to make it bigger, or they like somehow made a mold from the smaller one that was bigger. I don't understand how that works. I didn't look into the process. It was weird. Um, and then. It didn't have the holes in it. The holes were put in later. And also the red triangles were put on later mm. just to distinguish it and give it its own thing. Yeah, make it a... Because um, it was, a, it was a, De a Detroit Red Wings mask originally. Yeah, I didn't remember the So, team. yeah, you got to change that up and make them not a sponsor of the, yeah. of the Red Wings. It's weird, though, the way you brought it up. Like, we all know it's a hockey mask, but we all know that's not what hockey masks it's look not, like. Yeah, yeah. That was the thing that I didn't even realize until I was reading it. I was like, holy shit. That's something that I never... Like, if you see Jason's mask, you know it's a hockey mm -hmm. mask. You don't even but think, oh, like it's an old only, hockey mask. That's the only one I can think of. I don't think I can... Maybe, like, a cartoon? One way or another, Shelly's stupid fucking mask has made it into, like, all of our minds as, mm -hmm. you know, part of horror movies... Halloween Part time. Shelly's weird sexual horror prank, like horror, horror sex prank that he was trying to pull. Ugh, Shelly. He it died, the right? Yeah. So Shelly, his dumb fucking pranks were his downfall because he got his throat slit and they're just like, 
Shelly, stop. You're being oh, weird. Oh, yeah, yeah. So part of the thing that Shelly would do yeah. to try to make friends or try to just speak to people was instead he would do, like, these horror pranks like pretend to murder you or pretend he was murdered or act like a murderer, you know, how, how you interact with your friends. You know, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so when he came in, like, <laughs> with a slit throat, everybody thought it was, a, it was just a prank. Good riddance. Get out of here. Idiot. He wasn't just an, it. He just really blew it. He could have could have been a lovable character. Could have been a lovable dope. But instead, he had to be an incel. Do you guys uh, want to talk any other the kills in this movie? There were some pretty ridiculous. Uh, yeah, ones. there's two that I want because I thought they were they were my favorites. Um, I absolutely love oh, the harpoon. Yeah, I was gonna say we have to talk about the first the Jason mass kill. <sighs> that prosthetic is so goofy looking. It makes her head like lopsided. Yeah, it's oh, like it the so whole good. half of her face, like a fake eyeball that this 3D harpoon yeah. is sticking out of. Oh, that was so good. That was a very nice one. Made me feel and good. I'm, I'm wondering um, if, if since things weren't so crispy back then, if these prosthetics looked any better, or we just... Because the next kill that we're about to talk about, the prosthetics ooh, even, ooh, they take a bigger leap from what a face is supposed to look like. I'd like to bring up my favorite kill out of maybe all three of these movies so far. What you got? A really ridiculous one. Um, I don't even remember who it was to a guy. Was it the main boyfriend? Yeah. Yeah. It's Rick or whatever his name is. Rick sucks. Jeff. It's Rick. Rick the dick. Jarvis. Rick the dick gets Jason's big meaty hands on either side of his head. Ooh, yeah. And he squeezes them until... It, it smashes his head the enough eye. to where an eyeball pops out and shoots Ooh. up at the camera, 3D style. And since we're talking prosthetics, this is a full prosthetic head, and it is yeah. rough. It, if you like pause <laughs> it, it doesn't even resemble him. It's a it's a yeah. male head, but technically, <sighs> yeah. I watched it quite a few times. Any guesses on what that thing was made out of? Burlap. <laughs> okay, so Sloane, you mentioned that there's parts of this movie that you hate. Yeah. It sucked. But there's just a couple things. So it was like, I kept thinking there were oppor- there was an, a part that I thought was going to be an opportunity for something cool, and they just didn't do it. So we talked about earlier, you find out really late in the movie that our main girl, Chris... She has a history with Jason. There's a reason she's the main character is because during Jason's uh, recent killing spree, she was in the woods and she saw mm-hmm. him and he attacked her. Then she says she blacked out and lost time and then was back at her house and her parents were like mad at her. So I was thinking like with this other character being pregnant and so there's like maybe actually Chris was also pregnant or like with Jason's baby and it'd be Jason Spawn because maybe be cool. like he raped her in the woods or something. I felt like they were going to lead to that and it didn't. I also just really didn't like how her boyfriend, Rick, dealt with the whole thing. He just did not give a shit that she was assaulted. And yeah. He was just like, give Dude, up the puss. He's a guy in the 80s. He's the worst. Move on past your trauma. Give me the gash. Um, and just the whole ending. Well, I did learn something. I guess vans used to have reserve units of gas. Did you guys know that? Yeah, that was wild. I did not know yeah, that. So this, oh, yeah, they turn on the emergency yeah, gas? Yeah, in the scene, so yeah, um, 
uh, our main girl is trying to get away from Jason, and she takes the but the 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 punks they siphon the gas, so her van stops, and she's like, "Oh, it's out of gas. We got the reserve gas." I was like, "Wait, was that just a thing in cars back in the day?" Like some was it weird a ass advance? speed racer move. It was pretty neat. It didn't work. Quick, turn on the reverse emergency gas. Um, but then just yeah, I, the ending didn't make sense. Was J- it's like so 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 Jason gets hung. In the barn. That I like that. Was that. Cool. I thought that was a no, cool, like, cool way to. Fr- I liked Jason hanging. I thought that was a cool kill. I liked like bringing back that area because mm-hmm. like it was in the barn. That's where Jason was slaughtering people. Gets killed by his own love shack number two. But then yeah, he was yeah. alive, and then his mom was in the lake. Yeah, he he's a beefy boy, so I think his burly neck just kind of let him get past the hanging part. He looked pretty. Dumb, then he gets. Though sliced with yep. a machete which uh-huh. gets yeah. a slash in his mask that actually shows up throughout the series after this this is uh. i guess part of the iconic look and you got to keep in mind that this was also supposed to be the last one yes so he was supposed to be dead he was after yeah this was supposed to be the ending um of everything and also it kind of takes away from the movies as a whole knowing that there's always going there's always like another mm-hmm. one because mm. initially if we would have seen this even like the second one like we would have been like is he dead is yeah. he not especially because these types of movies weren't a thing where there's going to be another one every you know yeah. that wasn't a thing so, so this was starting it's now. kind of we're viewing these outside of the context that they were made is a little bit um it it dates them because we're not we can't see them and we can't watch them in that way because we know that you know jason is alive or jason jason exists in in another one so it's kind of almost it's a good point i'm sure it was even probably part of the marketing materials like he's back for one Mm -hmm. last kill but still i was pissed off that the fucking mom who's supposed to be beheaded and dead came back in the lake it, they just cheap tricks <laughs> three movies in they're already just recycling yeah, so much shit there's just she gets recycling. into a canoe the canoe the main girl that has an older boyfriend that that whole mm-hmm. thing that it's like the same archetypes of characters it's just all the exact the, same the, format every time i did think that uh lake mama looked awesome Fine, but why was she there? Yeah. She had like yeah. worms coming out. I of her I thought head. it was supposed to be a hallucination, honestly. I but think... I... because she wakes up and they're oh, like, "She wasn't." What do you mean? She's talking about this, but also, yeah, I just thought it was supposed to be like a hallucination. Well, I, thought she got her head about, cut off, I thought that about the first movie, but then it turns out it was real. But was it? I don't know. Not necessarily. I'm let it go. Are you... Because we never saw like little baby Jason. Are we saying that I'm not smart enough for these movies? I think you're too smart for these movies. You get really <laughs> hung up on plot. fourth grader. <laughs> and you, you just gotta <laughs> let it pass. Um, and yeah, and uh, as we'll talk more in our in our next one, the next one is supposed to be the final episode too. Mm-hmm. Uh, plot twist, there's eight more after that one. <laughs> so, yeah, good point about not being able to experience it the way. Yeah. I wonder if it would have been. I can't, Maybe I should try harder to put myself in... I just can't. It's impossible. It's impossible because it it, tr- it truly is. There's no way reality. we can do that. Yeah, we can make some weird I guesses, mean, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we can make some inferences and we can kind of try to put ourselves in that, but like, it's just literally not possible. Maybe that's something we need to get the moms on the case. Like, hey, moms, what was it like? 
the first time actually watching this. If you're I don't a know mom, if they're gonna remember this. If you're a mom, watching the third iteration of Friday the Thirteenth, shoot us an email. Yeah, let us know how it was. They did. They did do pretty well in the box office. Yeah. Um, I think this one was adjusted for inflation, the ninth highest grossing horror movie of all time. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, so, like, th- th- these movies were doing great. Yeah. it. Uh, that's, wh- that's why they kept churning them it out. It didn't get, like, a good review. It's got 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the critics didn't like it, and they thought it was dumb, because it is. But, yeah, it made a lot of money. It was the first film to remove E.T. from the box office. Whoa! Or from number one off this box movie. office spot. Friday the 13th 3. Mm-hmm. E.T. had number one from June 11th to when this came out in August 13th. That's insane. Um, and it was the second highest horror movie of that year beyond behind Poltergeist, which is a, a hoot of a movie. Really so, fun movie. I liked yeah. that. I liked that movie. Yeah, didn't like this one, huh? Uh-uh. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate as much as I can. Also, these movies were incredibly violent for their time. Yeah. This is, I saw, I read somewhere that this is one of the most gruesome with night or 16 like on-screen kills. Ooh. It had um, one of the guys so, got which, cut in half. That was really gory looking. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't like, maybe people knew this isn't something that's going to make me think. This is just... Just like Extreme. a fun romp. Yeah. There was a yeah. severed wolf head I out mean, of nowhere. That was pretty like, brutal. That's why I like these. A wolf head. I don't yeah. Know Remember, we were just like, why is there a severed wolf head in the barn? Why not? Yeah. Um, Jason so got bored and decided just, to murder a wolf. It's just kind of decor. Why I like horror movies in general. Just cranking it all up. I just kept thinking, like, why didn't you do better when you could have? <laughs> <laughs> they are already busy at the next one. They yeah. don't have time to make yeah, it good. Yeah, they had to write four and five Yeah, and six. they were churning these out. Churn them. You guys want to listen to a little bit about 3D? Sure. All right. So a part of this movie that I think was charming to all of us was the 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was... For sure. Let's talk, let's talk 3D. Uh, Tell so, me about it, bud. So this was actually the first ever 3D film to have a full, wide domestic release. Uh, it opened on 1,079 screens. And 813 of those were 3D. The others were drive-ins. So Ah. obviously you can't make that 3D. Ah. Um, And if you didn't catch it in the theater in 3D, that's it. The home release later on VHS, 2D. Yeah. Uh, Then it came out on a DVD later, 2D. It wasn't until 2009 that they ever re-released this in 3D with with just shitty at home red blue glasses. So really if you saw it in the movies at that time, it was kind of a big deal to see it. Question. Yeah. But like with when you said the shitty red blue glasses, I thought that is that not what the 3D was like in the movie theater then? I thought that's what it was before we have like the real D of our preteenhood. Um that yeah. is a good point. Um there's some of both. Sometimes they actually did use the the gray polarized ones that we use. Even now. back then. Uh huh. Oh, I thought those were a newer thing. I just wow. didn't know that. Yeah. Um. I to be honest, I don't understand when they did one over the other. Mm-hmm. Besides, maybe price, because originally I, they yeah. weren't even disposable. And and I'll and I'll jump into all that okay. all that fun stuff. So as we as we noticed while we were watching this, it seemed like a really big emphasis was on the 3D. And there's a great quote. Um from actor Larry Zerner. 
I don't know, he's one of the dudes. Okay. He recalled that perfecting the 3D effects often superseded the actor's performances. It quickly became clear that most of the time, the performances didn't matter. When we were shooting the scene at the convenience store with the gang members, and I had to throw a wallet at the camera, it was, hit the camera. Then, after ten takes, it was, hit the camera, asshole. <laughs> Actress Tracy Savage echoed the sentiment, stating that it didn't matter how the lines were delivered. <laughs> so, basically... Uh, the effort was like, let's make this 3D work really well. Yeah. Um, and so I think to understand why it was important that this was in 3D, I'm going to give you a semi-deep dive into 3D in general. So. Oh, yeah. When we hear 3D as millennials, we probably think to maybe even early 2000s, Spy Kids 3D, that kind of shit. It's gone on for much much, much longer. Um, the first 3D pictures were actually in 1830. Wild. Like. Are we talking about the, you wear them on your face? Yeah. So you could yep. like see the Rocky Mountains without going to the Rocky Mountains? Yep. Yeah. It might have even been a type Armchair of. Armchair tourism. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so then these two words, I, I, I love, I've never said them out loud yet and I'm excited. Um, and around 1915, we f- see the first type of 3D film, sort of. Um, there's uh, <laughs> Alabastra and Kinoplasticon were two different techniques that basically, I don't want to bore you with the details, but have you heard of Pepper's Ghost? No. No. Pepper's Ghost is an old, uh, like a magic trick, which takes like a thin glass and it projects the the content onto the glass so it looks like it's freestanding so these early hologram yeah pretty much yeah and uh that's still how they do stuff like tupac today Mm. um it's it's all based on this pepper's ghost thing and so there were routines that were made around the fact that there was 3d because there was you know a background video and then certain sections were on these panels of glass um, it wasn't 3D, and the, there were no glasses involved, but there was just depth to it. This was 1915. It was for middle-class people, um, and it, it was pretty exciting. And then the development on that got stopped because of World War I. Um, uh, and an, an interesting thing here, the first actual 3D put-on-glasses film was a silent film. Mm-hmm. So they had figured out 3D before sound. Hmm. Um, and That's crazy. It... Um, it's called The Power of Love, and here's a fun thing about it. You had the option of, of uh, viewing the tragic ending or the happy ending by just using one eye mm. or the other eye. At the end, it splits off into two. Uh-huh. Um, unfortunately, you can't see this because the 3D cut was lost forever, and the 2D cut was lost forever. Oh. This is all <laughs> gone. So oh, nice. that was kind of early 3D. But then in the 50s, actually, it was the golden age of 3D. And I guess people were used to using those paper red and red and blue, red and green glasses for comic books. Um, mm. I didn't know that, but it kind of makes sense. Oh. There's probably, you know, 3D popping yeah. out on the comics. Um, so Vincent Price, which we might, you might know him as kind of like a king of horror. He's also king of the 3D movies at the time. Disney got into it at this point. Um, Creature of the Black Lagoon was a huge deal. 
Um, Sloan, do you remember when we watched that? Yeah, I remember the movie. Yeah. It was 3D? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. We didn't see it in 3D, because no. we're adults, but there, it originally came out in 3D, and it was one of the bigger ones at the Wait, time. Wait, how is it in black and white? 3D came out before sound, dude. But, okay. Um... <laughs> and, and so even the Creature of the Black Lagoon pinball set, if you remember, mm-hmm. um, has a 3D video thing in the in the middle of the table. Oh. Um, this 3D cool. was a pain in the ass, and the movie companies, the theaters, hated doing it. Based on the reels, you could only go to a certain length, so they all had to have intermissions. Um, and oh weird yeah I, I don't I don't know why uh, but you couldn't go as long as a feature you could only go like an hour at a time and there was a sync problem and if you could just get the sync off a little bit it was unwatchable and it made you want to throw up just a pain in the ass so people just kind of stopped doing it until the more modern boom of 3D movies that came out starting around the time that this movie came out mm. in the 80s um, leading up till today uh IMAX and uh Disney type stuff kind of brought this into a successful digital HD format. Um around mm-hmm. the time this movie came out, they were figuring out how to do all that and it kept going. James Cameron um had the first HD 3D movie. We got you we got your basic Spy Kids 3D. Mm. 2009. Mm. Avatar comes out. I don't know. Do you guys remember that? That shit was fucking cool at the time. I don't know if I saw it in theaters. I've never seen Avatar. I have seen Avatar. I think I've only watched it at home. You guys are animals. I think I only watched it at the house. It was by far the coolest 3D I've ever seen. Oh. And just like that, 3D started to die. Avatar in 2009 set the bar high, but movie companies are still crapping out 3D poorly. And so it, the decline in sales happened immediately. 2010, Shrek Forever After, only 60% of their sales came from 3D, and that number just got worse and worse. In 2011, I bought a 3D laptop, mm-hmm. thinking that 3D <laughs> was going to be the next big thing, and you are all idiots for not believing me. It wasn't. Um, that was a mistake. But so let's uh, let's t- a mistake? No, a dream. It was sweet, yes. dude. I was playing Batman on that, and the cobwebs would like get in your face. Very cool, but you know, it just didn't take off. That's about all I got on 3D. I hope uh, hope you learned something. Yeah. Sloan, did you find a a track? I did. So when I was I was just looking into this movie, some history, look, perusing the Wikipedia. Which brought me to something I didn't know about this movie, which is that it has a lot of novelizations. A lot of novelizations? There's a lot of them. So, really? first let's just start with novelizations of film. Mm-hmm. I just, I think of them as a goofy thing, cash grab, weird move. Mm-hmm. And I think you could say that it is at this point, but... Thinking about it in context of history, they actually used to make sense. So, one thing that was brought up in my research was that, you know, VHSs, DVDs, on demand, those are all newer things in the context of the history of movies. So, Uh back in the day when you'd go see a movie in the theater, you get one shot, basically. And then you don't see it again unless you see it again multiple times in the theater. But then after that, it's not Mm -hmm. like, and they're not always showing movies. It's not like you have like a 
plethora of television channels, or even do you have television? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you had one chance. So if you wanted, if there's something you really liked, the only way to really to revisit the movie was if someone made a novelization, and that's the way. And then you just kind of recreate the film in your head. Okay, Which was that, kind that of does make sense. It actually kind of used to make sense. I always thought of those solely for like getting a kid to read books and like, but this one's about Transformers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. They kind of used to make sense. And so, like, in really early days, it makes sense. I guess uh, the first mainstream talkie was, uh, that was novelized was uh, 1933 King Kong. Oh. Another thing to think about, too, is just cool. how expensive, even when we had VHSs, they were really expensive when they were new. So uh, the v- VHS and VCR were invented in 1976, came to North America in 77, but they weren't really common in homes until the 80s. And that's because in 1977, do you want to guess how much a VCR cost? 800 bucks. $1,280 and adjusted Jeez. for inflation, $5,687. Oh my god. They were that's so unreal. expensive. It was a very rich thing you to watch. You have to be rich to get movies in your house blank tapes were twenty dollars which is 89 dollars today for a blank tape that doesn't even have a movie on it that's just for you to record your own home video or record stuff off the tv that means that a a, a movie with a movie on it is even more expensive i didn't find the price of that but yeah this would be like maybe for if you bought blank tapes that we're gonna record Mm. stuff on tv you were gonna record a movie that was playing on tv but yeah really really expensive so again novelization still kind of making sense in the 70s and Uh 80s with the price of these things if if you want to revisit a movie you get the ten dollar book instead of a hundred dollar you get that paperback baby um but yeah so this one I don't know if it is normal with how much this was novelized. It seems like it was a lot, though, the Friday the 13th series. So there were 12 just regular Friday the 13th books. There were five uh, YA novels called the Camp Crystal Lake series. Well, four official, five, one unofficial. We'll get to that. That's one we're going to talk about specifically. And then there were four Jason X books. There's a lot of them. There's a ton oh of Friday the 13th hmm. and Jason uh, books. It's not like these movies, the strong point is their dialogue. This yeah, specifically, is... it's yeah. not about the dialogue, oh as gosh. we've come to find out. Question. Yeah. So, you said there were 12 of just Friday the 13th. Is that, like, weird right stuff? So, well, or, like, how, what? what? There were, Why? I know that there were, the first ones, that, there were first seven that came out that I think were around the time that the movies came out. And then later, mm-hmm. we'll get, I'll get to this actually later, then they made five more as uh, there was a campaign to get more novelizations done. Okay. We'll get to that. So we're going to so talk uh, a little bit just about some fun things I heard about, I read about with novelization, but we're going to also talk specifically about the Camp Crystal Lake series. I just really like this because it was geared towards kids. So, like, it's supposed to be horror, but these are known, to, as Cody has pointed out, like, these were the most gory movies of their time, but you had to cut out the gore because it was for kids. So I just thought it was a really mm. weird thing to make them YA novels. Um, they're ri- written by William Pattison. Uh, that's his real name. He went over, uh, by the pen name Eric Morse. He did like want to be a real writer at the time that he was approached. Though it was so let's put it put you in the scene. It's 1993. They're coming out with Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, Spoiler. the ninth movie. It's just the ninth movie, and Friday and Friday the Thirteenth isn't doing <laughs> so well anymore. Uh, so he's like, I don't know, man. I want to be a writer, and I don't want to like 
not get to be a writer because of my first writing job. He didn't want his name smeared, uh, so that's why he did the pen name. It's like uh, one of our Hellraiser yeah. guys had a, like, Johnny Newcastle was his, I don't remember what it was, mm-hmm. uh, was when he did stock music. Yeah. Because he didn't want that to soil his, his career Yeah, stuff. at the time this guy was trying to do a sci-fi novel, he just didn't want this to taint it, but he was excited at the idea. Because uh, at the time, when he was approached with this idea, he was working at a Kmart. Uh, there was this girl he was working it with named Charisma Jones. She oh, had a yeah. brother who worked at Berkeley Books uh, as an editor. And she found out, got this, some scoop from him, that her brother was, they were looking for uh, some, some people to do a YA novelization, Friday the 13th. Charisma and William had talked a ton about horror movies, and specifically Friday the 13th. So she's like, bro, I got this guy that's perfect. And so he's... He's working at Kmart. He's going to take this chance to try to to write some books. Which is also to bring to the point, a lot of times the writers of these books, we and kind of what we've hinted at is we think of these like hack novel writing sort of thing. But also a thing that I found out is that at least some of the times the writers of these books are big fans of the movies. There's this one guy that that kept coming up, Alan Dean Foster, big old nerd. He got to write for, uh, he did a Star Wars, he did a Terminator, he did a bunch others, but he talked about those two in particular that he was really excited about them because as such a big fan, it was like he got to do a director's cut with an unlimited budget and he got to fix things that he thought were wrong with the movies, like fix the science in the movies, in his books, which is kind of cool thinking from a fandom perspective. Mm. Yeah. It's like um, an official fanfic. Also, though, I found out these are not usually easy to write. Partly because they're these stories that are owned by big studios with these weird rules and really strict time limits. So, again, this guy, Foster, he talked about two really bad horror stories. That was some novelizations he did. There's this one. It was, it was an Italian movie called Luana. It was, he said, like a mm. Lady Tarzan movie. So it was in Italian. It was not dubbed. He couldn't get it in English. And they wouldn't give him a script. So he didn't know what to do. That's pretty tough. Yeah. he just. So I guess what he did, there was some artwork by Frank Frazetta. He was a big illustrator and he did some posters. And so he watched the movie, looked at his illustrations to get the vibe, and then fucking made it up. Made it up. Another weird one that he had to do... Is he had to do, he did the novelization of Alien before the movie came out, and the studio would not release what, what the xenomorph looked like. So he had to write it without knowing what the xenomorph looked like. Now, does he describe it or just be I don't know. Vague? I just read he didn't know what it looked like when he wrote the book. <laughs> and then the Alien. And they would came not out. let him see it. Because it was just a always says it's so scary. Maybe yeah. it's so, <laughs> it's so scary so looking. It had scary, hands. scary hands, <laughs> spooky face. Yeah, so it, just, it sounds like it's a, it could be a real pain. Uh, it was no exception for our buddy Pattison here. He had one year to write four novels. If you don't finish on time, you get none of the money. You could have wrote three no. and a half. You get no money oh, unless you on. do it in time. He, he was freaked out, but he was feeling good because in five months he busted out two books. He's like, "All right, I got time. I can Those do this." Those have to be shitty books. And he's like, "I got time. I got time." So I, he, I guess he wanted to do a lot of research for one of them. It's called the Carnival. He wanted to do a lot of research about carnivals, but then they came back with one and two, and they totally ripped him apart, and he had to pretty much start over because partly he things, rushed him. Things. Well, uh, I guess he had too much movie lore, too many plots. And too much gore. 
And he's like, that's what you hired me to write. Is exactly (laughs) what the movie would be. Yeah. So, um, another interesting thing, though, about these, one of their main things with these is they didn't want Jason to be the star of these books. It is a evil possessed hockey mask that the wearer becomes a sex and fun hating murder maniac. So it can be a different killer each time. And they do specifically like hate sex. So they keep that part of the movie lore. Like you put on the mask, you hate sex, you gotta kill. Uh, so, huh. so it's like a fun twist with the with the teen sexy movie or teen sexy book. Um, Pattison said, "In the end, I did manage to deliver all four books on time, though I was not altogether pleased with the final product. I felt that the editors cut out most of the material that provided links to the series of the films. Also, I thought the subplots they cut would have added another dimension to these stories." But I had no control over these things because I was, in essence, just a hired hack writer who was being paid to put words on pages. Yeah. Uh, you don't get paid yeah. a lot for these either. Uh, usually, it, it sometimes it's worth it. You get a very low flat fee, but you'll maybe get a good percentage of the royalties. That's what Patterson was hoping for. Guess how much he got paid for these four books we've written in one year where he says he was doing 12 to 18 hour days of writing sometimes. Oh, God. I have no... It's got to be less than 10000 huh? 1500 bucks. Oh, God. For all four years of work? Adjusted for inflation, $2,666. Oh, then he's fine. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> He was fine with it because he's like, what? It well, doesn't even advance I, your career. So he was hoping, though, that he's like, there's going to be so much royalties on this, though. People are going to love this. The kids are going to love these. But then the movie studio did not advertise the books at all. He's got no money for these books. <laughs> so he hates these books. He got played. He pretty much hates these books until... Some super fans made him feel a lot better about it. So eight years later, it's 2002. He's going on the internet. There's these guys, Matt Caddy and A.J. Urban. They love Friday the 13th, and for some reason, they love his YA novels. They are so inspired that they post on their website, Friday the 13th Jason's Lair, their own fanfic that's YA style and inspired by our guy, Pattison. And he's just, he's taken, he's so taken aback. He's, didn't think anyone would ever appreciate this in any way. And he's so stoked. And they that start emailing. Confusing. And so they start emailing. They're so <laughs> excited. Like, oh shit, it's Patterson. He's talking to us. And they convince him to write the book that he always wanted to write. No way. Write the real one. And he's like, guys, they're never going to go for this. Then they're like, yeah, just put it for free on the internet. Who cares? It's not like you were paid anything for the other books. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So he writes his final book, which you can find for free online, the PDF. It's The Mask of Jason Voorhees. So it's the fifth YA Camp Crystal Lake book, but it's not official. I got goosebumps. I don't know why. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat, really though. satisfying twist there. He got to finally do it. They also kind of work together to start this campaign of so this is a long title of a campaign but the official bring back the friday the 13th young adult novel series campaign okay um what's the acronym for that (gasps) obbf nope (laughs) so 
It, according <laughs> to Pattison, it did actually get some attention, and he says it's why New Line Cinemas did their like second series of novelizations and the Jason X novelizations. He wasn't uh, hired to write them, but he says his campaign is what the, got the ball rolling. Yeah, maybe. Another thing, so... But he didn't do them, so... Yeah. yeah, but still, but he did write, he finally wrote the one that he wanted to write. Uh... And it's just, like, looking into this, I think it's just one of those things that maybe they're not actually good, but people like them. So I went and looked around on Amazon and Goodreads for these just to see what the responses are. People love this show. The people that read these books love these books. These types of books. On Goodreads, got a 3.5 out of 5 on average. All of them did. On Amazon, they all have, like, 4 out of 5 stars. People, the people Uh, that like them really like them. If you're, like, rabid enough of a fan and you're leaving a review. Yeah. I guess it's because so you like it. They do get appreciated, at least. Are they good? I don't know. But people mm. appreciate this stuff. Uh, just two more things that I wanted to mention. I part, also partly stumbled upon in my research. I thought that this was just a meme, but did, have you guys seen the tweets about the Austin Powers novelization? I've never heard of this in my life. Apparently. So mm. I thought it was just made up for internet points. Apparently they're real. That's awesome. They exist. And they were published by the same people that did the Friday the 13th YA novels, Berkeley books. Or at least one of them was. There's multiple. There's so so many weird novelizations out there. It's amazing. I recommend looking into this. Hmm. Another thing I should say about Pattison before we just think of him as a hero, he did say some shit that made him think he's a creep. Can I just, Shocker. Can I just read you this quote from (laughs) his explanation, like his backstory of how he wrote these books? So he's yeah. talking about how he's, been, he's working at Kmart. He signs a contract. He's super excited about this opportunity. Quote. The next day, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I asked a lady I know from work, I will not mention her name, for three years and asked her out for an Italian dinner to celebrate my book deal. Anyway, to make the long story short, three weeks later, I was charged with sexual harassment and lost my job. Fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> Body. So you're not sure you what a bitch, right? <laughs> what a bitch. But oh, he man. does, uh, don't worry, because then he's like, it's okay that I lost my job, because turns out I had to write all those books in a year, and that's the only reason I had time. Mm. Well, Sloan, you know what you gotta do now? I have to write a fanfic? I would, you have to read all I was gonna of them. say, <sighs> can you read one of them? I was thinking if about... If only the PDF one? I was thinking about reading The Mask of Jason Voorhees, yeah. but I was a little nervous. I start, I almost started reading it, but the thing is that these were supposed to coincide with the... Like, this series was supposed to go with the ninth movie uh, in some way, so I was afraid there would maybe be... I know it's silly to say... the a, ninth movie? Yeah, I know well, it's silly to say there'd be a we are going to come back to this. Oh, maybe we we all read... this. Yeah. That one's for free online. Maybe we read the, the book thinking, he wanted to write the whole time. I was thinking just you read it. Okay, and I might. It's a mini episode, and you tell us how it goes. I might, I might do that. Maybe we'll all read it. I don't want to. I'll have to see how long it. It can't be that long. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's yeah. not the official one of the official YA novels, but I assume he does it in a similar mm-hmm. style. It's not going to be like a really dense novel, right? It's a chapter think. book. Yeah, yeah. Big text. Nice. Big text. big fun. <laughs> wow. Sloan, that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never... Another thing that I knew existed, but I haven't really given it any thought. Yeah. How it made sense at one point to make these. 
And they keep doing yeah. it. Yeah. I think they just They do... still do novelizations now, right? And I do think I, I, I this just looking into this changed my perspective because I thought of it as a shitty cash grab. But nope, seeing how much the people that do read these appreciate them, I like that it's that it exists for them. Once we once Whatever we watch makes nine, people happy, you, you know? are reading this book. <laughs> All right. We I have... promise I agree. Cool. Uh, I've got. I'll edit that to make it look like you completely. Just, I agree. promise. I swear. I oh, what am I doing? <laughs> agree. Uh, you've already said all the words I need. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I think I'll be quick here because we've had a lot of good content so far. But it is slasher tracks, so let's talk a give us the tracks. a little give bit the about the tracks, the soundtracks. Um, so again. I listened to this uh, soundtrack. You can find it on YouTube. And Harry Manfredini is phoning it in. There's, if you blindfolded me and told me to pick any song from any of these movies, they would all be exactly the same. Um, there's no progression that I was hoping for. So that was a bust. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, uh, back... Got that theme. Yeah, the theme. Back to what I talked about uh, in the beginning... The disco. The disco. Harry Manfredini didn't write that one fully. He Mm. actually had help from a guy named Michael Zager, who um, is actually... What a Z name. uh, Yeah. Mm. He is actually a pretty big deal in his world. Um, I can't wait to talk about it. Um, So this uh, this theme was actually... uh, He has... It was credited as Harry Manfredini... Michael Zager and the band Hot Ice, which okay. is either a fictional band mm. or this is all Studio. they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't find it. You can't even find the song that they did that was the B side of the single. There is another song. I can't find it. Um, it was really popular at gay clubs and discos mm. at the time. Let's dig a little into Michael here because he he's he's got some cool stuff. So he started off. Um, as a member of a jazz rock band called Ten Wheel Drive uh, in 68-73. It was sick. Very funky, fresh sounding. Uh, then when that band uh, stopped doing music, he went on to commercials. He made over 400 commercials. Well, uh, holy moly. For big names, and I stopped writing them down, but I hear some. IBM, Kodak, Budweiser, Buick, Volvo, Burger King, Dr. Pepper. He has a hit in every category here and one that really caught my attention was this incredible 30 second advertisement that he did for schlitz malt liquor oh yeah and love old beer ads i actually wrote down <laughs> everything that happens in this 30 second ad. okay and you're gonna I will give us try, a play by play i will try to paint the picture <gasps> is this the part this. where you sing for us it sure is <laughs> oh boy oh okay yeah. so this is a really good commercial um and it's at a a bar ish it's an open area and there is a man uh who is gonna be he's he's gonna be wedded he's a uh groom i think you might call a it. groom, groom if to you be. Will. <laughs> um and uh i thought you said webbed so i was like Why? a webbed man uh, and so he's kind of getting, you know, heckled by the boys, like, ah, you're about to be, you know, the ball and chain. Uh, so 
it starts with a musical group called the four tops which is like a doo-wop uh vocal quartet um in the detroit motown style and and so they 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 go up to him and they go all around him tonight you're still a bachelor tomorrow's almost here so while you're still a free man let's bring on the beer and then it goes to Cool in the Gang, a funk band uh, known for stuff that you guys know, like Ladies Night, Jungle Boogie, all that. Oh, the boy! The camera whooshes over to them, yeah. and, and they go, uh, on this night to remember, it's so clear, you deserve to celebrate with more taste than beer. The bowl's got a taste so big, so bowl, so smooth, let's all party. No one does it like the bowl, and okay. a giant bowl crashes through the wall and uh it's just madness and then it's it's you know the announcer you know uh, no one does it like the bowl hey gang how about another bowl um schlitz's bowl schlitz the low the at least their malt liquor Mm. was like a bowl Mm. um so our our guy michael zager was a big part of he got these two musical groups to have a a quick duel that i kind of got us through um you did a great job. I picture. I could. I you Just painted a cool vivid picture. Yeah, you Ooh. painted a vivid picture. I think me. I did a better job with the the four tops, but you did great. Thanks. Um, I owed it to you guys because I used to do kind of a rendition of the soundtracks, and I haven't done that in a while. So that was one of the highlights of his commercials. But he also was a really, really big deal in the world of disco, um, which. Disco was a, a little place that we fell in love with during Prime. But Aaron, wasn't Disco dead in 1982? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little before. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in the late 70s. When did um, Disco die? I don't know. All right, sorry. <laughs> um, he had award-winning artists like Luther Vandross, and uh, he discovered Whitney Houston. He uh, ah. he what? made a song uh, that was sung by Whitney Houston and her mom, Sissy Houston. What? Uh-huh, called Life's a Party. Um, and it is a party. And I just wanted to to bring up one more song that he did, and then I'll, I'm going to call it here. Okay. Um, the Michael Zager Band did a, in 1977 did a song that's his most popular song. It's called Let's All Chant. And okay. it was because his old boss had been out clubbing all the time, and he he, uh, he, he, had, he had gone to these clubs, and he found that everyone is going, ooh, ooh, oh. ooh, ooh. Yeah. And he's like, you got to yeah. make a song with that. The dancers are going to love it and he says you got to be kidding this is embarrassing everyone's everyone's doing this if you make it they will love it Mm -hmm. and he says i'm gonna kill you if this isn't a hit and he makes this song it's called let's all chant it's it it literally goes let's all chant and the music video is just disco babes jamming he is so embarrassed that he had to make this he puts in he puts in a classical music break in the middle. Not like classical, classical, but he tries to amp up this production with mm-hmm. like an oboe, mm. with a, uh, with a, what's the type of, a piccolo trumpet, and, um, oh God. and like kind of a harpsichord sound. He really just is like, I'm a music guy, mm. and this is beneath me, so I'm going to juice it up in the middle. And then it goes back to, you know, ooh, ooh, let's all dance. Uh, certified gold. Shit ton of copies, five million. Of course, because who doesn't like going ooh ooh? And this song, "Let's All Chant," put him on the map. Is very likely the reason that he was contacted to make this song uh, for Friday the Thirteenth. 
because of Let's All Dance. Is it Let's All Dance or Let's All Chant? Uh, Let's All Chant, sorry. Okay. Yeah. That is Michael Zager, much more uh, interesting of a guy than Harry. Sorry, Mr. Man, Fredini. But I was so stoked to find any other bit of music Something. in this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, really recommend checking out this Schlitz malt liquor commercial. It was, uh, it was a hoot. Sounds uh, like a real holler. Ooh, ooh, if you know what I mean. Mm. So that is a little bit of the tracks from Friday the 13th, part three. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Hell yeah. Uh, kind of wraps up what I was going to say. Um, you guys stoked for the fourth one? Nope. The final, the final Friday the 13th movie? Oh. Uh, I do feel like the this next one's going to have the same vibe mm-hmm. as the other three. Yeah. So I'm a little bit kind of like, all right, let's get through this because I know there's weird stuff coming up. Um, and it's the first one that I don't think I've seen. Okay. That's exciting. This is... I. Like when we watched the Hellraiser movies and there were kind of three distinct vibes, like three kind of chunks, mm-hmm. I think one through four is going to be the first mm-hmm. chunk of these, and then maybe maybe things get wild starting at five. Or maybe they Man, fucking what if they don't. just don't, and we're just like getting <laughs> we're excited. We're back at what the camp. What if it's the exact same archetypes and plot, it just happens in space, it happens in New York. Space camp? Oh no. I hope. Oh god! I hope Jason Let's has space camp. Has like a special s- space suit with a mask. And this one is Jason. Like, uh, he's a camp counselor in space. Maybe Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, I uh, excited. I don't know if it's the right word. I I am looking forward to trudging through this. You're looking forward to the next one specifically. I'm just looking forward to making progress. Okay. Y- you know, maybe. But maybe we should talk about what our next one actually is. Oh yeah. Oh, should we so, tease that? It, yeah. If you if you guys didn't know, if you folks didn't know, we, as in, all three of us are not in the same location. Mm-mm. Different uh, cities. Yeah, cities apart. I am in. Chicago, and these folks are in St. Louis, and I am going to visit them for the first time to do an in-person episode. We're so stoked. It's been like a year of doing these, and this is our first time all three in the same room doing it. Yeah, and how are we gonna, how how can we really conjure up Slasher Jack spirit? Adam Sandler. There's no other way. There's no other way that this can be done than Adam Sandler. Shut up! <laughs> there is oh. a new Adam Sandler movie streaming on Netflix, Hubie Halloween. So stiff. And um, we are going to watch it and perhaps make it a double feature. I think we should That's put it on the be... record. So the plan is to watch that first and then do the Grown Ups 2 drinking game which is fantastic i can't wait to share that fantastic if you haven't listened to the podcast we got it from this podcast called the worst idea of all time they made the greatest drinking game for grown-ups too it's a hoot it's a holler because it's a good good time they watch this movie every week for a year they are 
fully equipped to make the Experts. most perfect Experts game. on drinking and, and grown-ups, too. And so we thought here at Slasher Track Studios, if there's any way we can tie this into horror movies, let's do it. Let's we do probably it. can't, but let's try to find out. And it turns out Adam Sandler is dropping a brand new horror movie. And also, how else do you celebrate friendship if not with Adam Sandler? That's the only way Adam I know Sandler how to Adam Sandler is always love. a fun time. Actually, you know what? It's not going to be slasher tracks it's sandler tracks sandler we're changing tracks. we're changing yes. we're changing the podcast we're sandler tracks we're gonna give you some sandler facts the sandman oh yeah we're gonna look <laughs> I'm into so hard you guys adam sandler and maybe we'll have some spin-off by different types of, of sand perhaps but honestly i could see i i kind of want to start a new podcast <laughs> <laughs> i might like just ruin our new logo and plop Adam Sandler's face in I it. I love it on our beautiful new logo. Oh, uh, yeah. Ooh. Great logo, by the way. I'm really happy that we've got it. Kind of marks season two post Hellraiser. Great work yeah. by... Shout uh, out at Bread fan. Bread fan. Yeah, get at her for all your podcast logo needs. Cool. Well, thank you again for tuning in. Um, appreciate you. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, and looking forward to the next one. Let's get Sandlery with it, Ooh, baby. Uh, I'm Aaron. I'm Sloan. And I'm your stepmom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see you next time in the Sandlerverse. <laughs> Shut up. Bye bye. Who can we get mad at delivering the package to Chicken Alfredo? Cool shitting boys. Yeah, and he's drinking whiskey while he's.